Where then is the road to peace? Well, it's a simple answer after all. You and I have the courage to say to our enemies, there is a price we will not pay. There is a point beyond which they must not advance. My mom loves those applause breaks. I want to know the truth. You keep digging, you're going to dig your own grave. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I don't get it. This is the Brian Suits Show. AM 770 KTTH. Brian Suits here on a Friday. And we'll unwrap the Friday here uh, at 8.30 with your, uh, as we do a checking of the texting. Um, and the at any any minute, they're saying Trump's civil fraud verdict and the judge may penalize him with a $327 million fine thing. And this is the one about, um, this is not the Stormy Daniels world's worst world's worst blackmail ever ever given um and this is the one about him overvaluing property when, when he wanted to sell it and undervaluing it when he, the tax man came and knocked you, you know in other words normal so uh, anyway there's that we we have entered the folksy anecdote phase of the Fonnie willis hearing in in atlanta uh, they're trotting out former governors with folksy anecdotes about georgia militia guys threatening him um, and stuff. This is a, never heard of this guy. He was a congressman, apparently. Then he came back and he ran for governor of Georgia, which must is practically it's Mensa apparently for Georgia. This is Roy Eugene Brown. Okay, I gotta love your Eugene's really fallen off in popularity. It's a strong name. Yeah, my dad's middle name. His his dad's middle name. Um, and, 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 and in, in fact, by the, you know what, you know why this, he has my Roy Eugene Brown, because my grandpa's name was Roy Eugene Suits. I did not know that. We had it. We had a saddle. It was, the initials were embossed in the saddle. Roy Eugene Suits, uh, father of, uh, Robert Eugene Suits, uh, father of me, little old me. But anyway, if you want to hear a boy, here's a folks, uh, before we get to Brian's depressing folksy anecdote, folksy anecdote, let's, let's hear about why the militia wanted to, uh, to end Roy Eugene Brown. But I just had the FBI to report, uh, a fella, uh, militia. Trump. You know what you do if you got a fella? You report him to the FBI, a fella. Hey, fella, I'm going to report you. I'm, I'm reporting you to the federals. Hey, it's fella. To me. Fella. Well, he said fella. That said they were Maybe you're thinking of Texas. That's what I'm thinking of. Concerned uh, that he was making threats against me. And because I was, I thought it was because of the flag, but I asked him and he said, no, it was because I was too close to the Jews, quote unquote. Well, yeah, there you Whoops. go. <laughs> I know. So. So that that folksy anecdote suddenly went uh, went swastika uh, on you on on that one, but uh, yeah. So so that, uh, boy boy, are you a board militia at that point? Said they were concerned. Yes, in the back. Go ahead. Uh, I nominate Governor Brown. Okay, why? Well, he's too close to the Jews. Is there a second? <laughs> okay. Uh. That he was making threats against me, and because I was, I thought it was because of the flag. But I asked him, and he said, "No, it was because I was too close to the Jews." Quote unquote. Can I get a second? All right. And uh, I told uh, D.A. Willis, I didn't. I'd live. Anyway, he's talking about uh, one time he had an interaction as governor with uh, the Fulton County D.A. Fonnie Willis, and then and then it gets even folksier. 
than my anecdote, which is about to get real dark, too. Um, so we'll just since it's uh, can't wait for that six darkness six a.m. That's what thing. That's the thing. The sun's up. All the darkness is the six a.m. hour, and boy, did it get dark At, this morning in the six a.m. hour. And this is the reason that the Radio Hall of Fame guy was crying and he wouldn't look me in the eye. It, this morning in the six a.m. hour, you will learn what two parts of a human body you can eat without cooking. <laughs> totally in context, because and of course you would know that because Putin killed Navalny, uh, who had been sentenced to nineteen years in the formerly the Gulag system. Now it's the uh, the, the FISN, F I S N, but Gulag sounds better. The Gulag Archipelago. Yeah, the 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 uh, Nobel Prize winning uh, book by Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And your your entry drug, your your gateway drug for Solzhenitsyn, and it's a it's a great book. It's a great read. <clears throat> when he got out of the Gulag system, he wrote a book called "One Day in the Life of Ivan Denisovich," and it's one day, just one day in the life of a of a uh, convicted you know political prisoner um, in the Russian Gulag system from he from the minute he wakes up at like at three a.m. and goes to bed at midnight. An amazing, amazing book, um, and I and I had it. And I did. I did the Jedi mind trick. I it, it's just smaller than I normally, you know, uh, pick up, you know, kind of books. My my daughter was like, "Well, what's that book?" And I went, "Oh, you should read this." And she cranked it out in a, like a couple hours. So wait till she sees the Nobel Prize winning uh, Gulag Archipelago, because I mean, you can kill someone with that thing. Um, yeah, in your militia, <clears throat> but um, Alexander Valley. Uh, it was announced by uh, Russia Today, by Interfax and RIA and other Russian media outlets that Alexander Navalny, the the leading Putin opponent, was uh, dead after a walk. He appeared on remote video yesterday in a courtroom. So we have video from yesterday. There's a date time stamp. So we know that he was alive at, you know, X amount of time uh, 25 hours ago. But according to the Russians, is uh, randomly dead. He went for a walk and said he didn't feel well. And, you know... If you're on the fifth floor, probably in a hospital in Russia, and someone throws you out the window or defenestrates you, um, you don't need a reason, do you? But you did something to embarrass uh, Putin or or Lavrov or one of them, or some, perhaps you pointed out that Lavrov has a million-dollar mansion in, in London uh, or takes his mistresses to vacations uh, in the Mediterranean, uh, whatever, whatever it takes to earn you that fifth-story drop. And fifth story because people are more likely to live after a three-story drop with broken legs. And that's not the point. The point is killing them, which is the point of the Novichok, the neurotoxin that Navalny was uh, exposed to on purpose in whatever it was, uh, 2020. And so uh, he, he, had, he, he has a, a long history of antagonizing uh, Vladimir Putin. And uh, so it it was his time. He had he, he had four years ago, he garnered twenty seven percent of the vote during during Putin's kabuki like uh, reelection campaigns. And there's one in four days. <clears throat> he came up with twenty seven percent of the vote, and they they reported that. So the of course the lead editor and producer of Interfax and Russia Today and all that they all had their fifth story window moment for even reporting that. But rather shortly thereafter, Navalny is poisoned. Putin lets him get medevac to Germany where they save his life. Because his lesson is supposed to be you're exiled, 
shut up, don't write, don't blog, don't TikTok, don't YouTube. You got to live. And I put you on a plane to get out of here. Navalny chose to come back because that that's Putin winning and, and getting the country. Navalny chose to come back knowing that it was a a suicide pact. And as of uh, yesterday, he is absolutely correct. This is 60 minutes. I think for Putin, uh, why he's using this chemical weapon to do, do both, kill me and, you know, terrify others. It's something really scary with the people just drop dead without, there are no guns, there are no shots, and in a couple of hours you will be dead and without any traces on your body, it's something terrifying and Putin is enjoying it. You have said you think that Mr. Putin's responsible. I don't think, I'm sure that he's responsible. And uh, let me tell you what's happening right now. Um, the closed circuit TV from his cell is being edited. And later on today, because they're still maintaining the, well, come on, we, you know, we, we would have hit him with a laundry truck or something. We didn't do this because the story is that they tried to resuscitate him and give him CPR for half an hour. They'll put together a video. And they'll say, oh, here, here is a life-saving measure uh, as applied by prison doctor at the FK-13 Harp uh, prison in uh, far, far, far to the east of uh, Moscow in uh, north of the Arctic Circle. And here is video of him uh, uh, taking walk and then not feeling well. And then here is our medical response. And as you see, uh, it is up to uh, or best, better than... Uh, most Western prisons, and then Tucker Carlson will promise that he'll be amazed at uh, how how modern this prison was or something. But, I mean, that's what they'll do is they'll hide behind this legitimacy, and, and which is the gigantic insult is that, of course, he's bragging that he did it, that he ordered it, because we were publicly talking about his new anti-satellite weapon. And in the American news cycle yesterday, some guy in the halls of Congress was talking about declassifying this thing. Um, and the election is in four days. Of course, it, it's, it's, uh, high, it's self-high-fiving. He'll, he'll win by like a Saddam-like margin, like he always does. But he still goes through the, the, the motion of a, having an election and, and people... Uh, people run to the ballot box as if their votes are going to be are going to be uh, counted, and it's going to matter. Um, and as as my dad once said, the first time he flew to Moscow, at the time they weren't allowing Pan Am to fly 747s in the daytime into Moscow because they would have to explain why decadent West has airplanes so big, probably filled with drugs. Uh, and prostitutes and decadence and, and all that. So they didn't fly 747s during daylight hours for a decade. So um, so what they used to do on the way down is that the Russian authorities insisted that Pan Am tell the, the uh, passengers to roll, to pull the window uh, shade down so that you couldn't take pictures. And it was black at midnight. It was dark. It was midnight. It was 1 a.m. And so my dad said on the way down, once he just took a picture of the blackness of the window because one pointless gesture deserves another. But, yeah, they actually told you to put your window shades down so that the, the, the light from the cabin couldn't be seen as it was uh, landing and that you could not take 
uh, American espionage Kodak photographs. You could not take an instant Polaroid photograph of a very, very advanced Soviet machine outside uh, their civilian airport. But uh, anyway, so that is what they're doing. This, this is, this is I, I, I mean, I promise, just like I'm going to have lunch later on today, they will release some sort of Western-style video about the heroic measures and, uh, and and for all I know, they probably had the bit actors sit there and act like they're doing CPR on them and uh, the whole thing. And here is Yulia Navalny this morning at the Munich Security Conference talking about the demise of her husband. Amazing she was able to keep it together just moments after hearing about his through, apparent death. Through, but we should point out, this is a translator. It's through a translator, yes. You have all probably saw the terrible news that came in today. I thought for a long time... Is it worth for me to come here or to fly to my children straight away? But then I thought, what would Alexei do in my place? And uh, their daughter is a senior at Stanford, and she's pretty well-spoken. And as you might imagine, her, her dad was a super sharp guy. One of the reasons Putin hated him is because he was so funny. He was sarcastic about Putin, and he had really a witty. He had yeah. a, a Muscovite accent. His English was pretty good. He could make jokes in English, and Putin hated him because Putin is humorless. He checked the box on the KGB application um, when he first joined. Are you funny or not? And he knew his question is trick. You you must say you are not. And then they, they assume you are funny and that you're doing double double mind trick uh, okay, on so, them. So, Brian, there are many aspects to Putin that are Hitlerian, and perhaps it's no coincidence. I was watching an episode of World at War the other night, and they were interviewing a woman who lived in Germany with her family at the height of Nazi rule. And at the time, there was no hiding the fact that Jews were being rounded up, and the German people were talking about you know rumors of these concentration camps and what was going on. So this German woman, who is now elderly during this interview, relayed the story of when she told her husband back in, you know, 1942, 43, hey, you know, we're, my friends and I are talking about these concentration camps and how evil this is. We should do something. And her husband told her, hey, you need to keep quiet about this. You know why? Because in order to defeat a snake, you don't cut its tail, you cut off its head. And this was all a precursor to the Valkyrie operation, which was an assassination attempt against Hitler, which didn't succeed. So my question to you is, will it take some operation that size of that gravity to end the evil reign of Putin, who continues to murder his political opponents and conduct a war of aggression against his neighbor? Because it doesn't seem to be going away anytime soon. Well, you have to cut off the head of the snake. As I said, uh, Germans over-engineered their tanks and under-engineered their coups. And here's the thing. Uh, Putin is way smarter than even Saddam. And Saddam knew of everything everybody was doing, and including the people. And he also knew to occasionally roll the dice and kill someone very close to him so that everyone else who was close to him said, geez, man, he knows everything. And Putin knows that same thing, too. And so, no, he's smarter than you and he's smarter than the CIA and he, as I've been saying, he kept this guy around like a parakeet just so he could reach in the cage, pull him out, and pop his head off. That's the only reason he he, he kept him around so that he could kill him at, at the right time. And uh, he, again, here's his presidential pick. <clears throat> Is this going to play? Yeah. But when Russian TV asked, this was unusual. Vladimir Putin doesn't normally back a candidate publicly in a foreign election. 
But when Russian TV asked, who's better for Russia, Biden or Trump, his response... Biden. Biden. There you go. What an endorsement. He's more experienced. So, so that's, uh, that, that's his pick on that one. By the way, if I'm the Trump campaign, I would jump on that right now today. It, it washes away a lot of... Uh, a lot of stank. Yeah, but Putin, Putin must m- know that his approval rating in the U.S. is an abysmal 14%. So whoever he endorses will be the kiss of death. Right? I know. <laughs> there you go. And that's uh, but, and then someone will say, aha, he's he's doing Spock three-level chess. Right, right, he's, right. He's, doing, he's not like the the idiot Qaddafi who, who backed um, Dukakis. <laughs> and he wasn't doing it to, like, start a rumor mill or something. He really was backing Dukakis. And it's like, yeah, thanks, no thanks on, on that one. But um, no, he's uh, Putin's a bad guy. You just, and the thing is, I can work with a bad guy. You just have to treat him like he's a bad guy. You can't act like, uh, you can't act like, uh, oh yeah, he's uh, just a normal leader. He's trying to drag Russia into the future and all thing. No, he's dealing with the demographic time bomb, and which he originally succeeded in. Problem, problem now is. Um, this entire story is about Putin telling couples to have at least two kids, preferably three, because he just squandered the entire generation of, of young men that were born when he came to power in 2000 and 2001. They've just been croaked. They've been croaked for the past two years. He's, he's lost so many young men, plus young prisoners and, and the whole thing. Public endorsement by Putin of a U.S. politician will not do that politician any favors at all. Vladimir Putin's comments on the US election may have done Donald Trump a favor though. He can now tell his political opponents, see, I told you, I'm not Moscow's man. So if a BBC reporter can figure that out, surely Trump can too, or his media team. But anyway, uh, Putin said on, on national TV, Hey, have two kids. We need two kids. We need a replacement population because they're they're back to 2000, where the average lifespan is now it's 28 because you're getting croaked in uh, Ukraine. But this should not be a surprise to absolutely anyone. Certainly not anyone in in Russia, and and uh, the whole thing. I mean, the <clears throat> the way he came, the way it was engineered that he come to power, said everything about. He was a mystery. On January 1st, 2000, he was a mystery to the American media. Um, all you needed to know is what, what did John McCain say? At, what was the show up we played today? He looked in Putin's eyes and saw three letters, KGB. McCain had it nailed. Um, he did. Uh, because you just have to know where Putin came from. Uh, and, and, you know, the, 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 when they keep reporting that, oh, yeah, he says that the most uh, tragic event of the 20th century, it wasn't World War II, it was the collapse of the Soviet Union. And Americans are like, bro, what a dummy. No, he really thinks that. Because someone had to get the pot. Someone had to eat the cake. He, he was in the part of the Soviet Union that was eating the cake. Not the people holding up the dance floor. <laughs> Not the thousands of, of gulag prisoners holding up the dance floor. That where the uh, hundreds of political prisoners were holding up the dinner table where Putin was at the table eating the cake. Uh, he, was, he, he was there uh, at, at the cake table. Didn't care how it was you know, made. That, that's and that's that's why uh, Eastern European countries are, are are not exactly seeing the humor in Trump's story about uh, this uh, one guy. Uh, he was the president of a big big European country, European big country, 
And he, they, they're not saying the joke in that, you know, hey, if you don't pay your dues and there's no dues, uh, then I don't care what Putin will do to you. Because Putin was a KGB officer in East Germany, and he was not a good guy. He, it wasn't his job to be a good guy um, because the East Germans spied on the KGB. The KGB didn't know that the Stasi was spying on them, too. And they all they all agree. Yeah, he was one of their bad guys. Not a good guy. And we know all kinds of stuff, but we're going to go to our graves with it. And uh, and if and if if they release Bronco, he will find you and he will bite you. He will find you and he will bite you. So there's uh, there's there's that. And and his connection with uh, the joy of living as a human being is a little looser than ours. And we, I, I got to say, we don't make people like him in America. And that's why it's a shame that no matter what Joe Biden says about all of his. Uh, his the notches in his belt of foreign policy experience. He's never met anyone like Putin, and you have to meet them to say, "Wow, this guy really this this guy is right out of the Reichstag. This guy is right out of uh, Hitler's cabinet, or or whatever." And uh, but there, there's no simulation. It's not Hollywood. It's none of that. Um, just having the ability to know that I can press a button. I mean, short of a mob a mob boss who you have lunch with and then on your way out, you get a piano wire on the neck, uh, then you don't know anything about Vladimir Putin or people like him. But you know who he hires? People like him. And you know what you can count on with people like him is that they stay in line because they know how it ends. And so uh, anyway... So, uh, like, like I say, he did. He killed his favorite uh, parakeet. That, that's why he was keeping Navalny around. So, if you, if you go back two years with me, then you know I've always said that. But that's what he was. All right, uh, back in a second. How did Kamala react? She's at the Munich Security Conference. We'll uh, play that. 800-465-8770. Checking your texting right after this on KTTH. What we need to do is understand Vladimir Putin for what he is, a murderer and a thug. Uh, the theme to Ghostbusters by Ray, Ray Parker Jr. Close. It's amazing. I am so, I mean, note for note, AM770 KTTH. Hi, friends, and all their. Oh, there you go. Um, uh, time for a checking of your texting. And uh, I forgot what I was going to say about how, how I love everybody. I do. I, I love all of you. All, all of all of ye. Um, by the way, and I was I was looking for you know there, there there's one particular uh, tweet that I curated that required some uh, Greta Thunberg, uh, who is now no one because uh, and by the way the the shooting in Kansas City it's gone away because uh, gang banging teen African American youth not not exactly 
white guy from a militia because you're too close to the Jews with your MAGA hat on or whatever. I did see a nice gesture by Taylor Swift, the NFL darling Taylor Swift. She donated $100,000 to the family of the woman killed at the Chiefs rally. Do you like me calling Jenny Ellis of Tacoma? Who punched her boyfriend and got uh, bit on the arm by a Pierce County canine, calling her uh, Trailer uh, Trailer Swift. I like How that. How dare you? So anyway. Uh, well, speaking of Greta, uh, 206 says, I read both volumes of the Gulag Archipelago back in my early 30s. Are you done? Are finally done? I know. They're huge. Anyway. That's that's how you get a Nobel Nobel Prize. One thing that stood out was how the Bolsheviks turned children against their parents. Everyone was in terror of being denounced by the little devils. A sure ticket to Siberia. The weaponization of kids by the left continues today, from grade school uh, onwards. And that th- it's a it's a tool uh, of of the left. By the way, is to send the kids home so they can. How dare you! So that they can they can have their dreams stolen. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood. And the Nazis did it too. Um, I mean, especially with boys, where you know all you got to do is come away in uniform with us for the weekend. You get to throw grenades. You get to shoot guns. Mom and dad are going to make you clean your room, man. And it worked. It absolutely worked. And the Russians uh, do it today. To this day, there is a version of the communists of the Komsomol, the Communist uh, Youth League. Um, but but yeah, it was it was scary, and and that's why the book scared Brezhnev when it came out. That because the communism fears one thing, and it is truth. It, it's a spotlight and real history. And Alexander Solzhenitsyn, when he was writing things like that in the book, it seems fantastic to Americans. Um, but that that's a primary tool. Of, it's a twenty year plan uh, to. Take their mushy little brains and make them repeat slogans without knowing anything about it. Like, what, what do you mean? What's what's the river? It's uh, from the river to the sea. So I, it's it's such young people are stupid. Um, <laughs> and is is why well, that's that's why they don't vote and they buy crap like your dreams are going to be stolen. You have stolen my dreams and all that. Well, and, the principle rings true, and that is if you want to maintain the current society you have or change it fundamentally, you go after the next generation. You don't go after the current generation because, as you pointed out, children are malleable. Their brains are sponges. And whether it's a totalitarian society or a free society, again, you have to care about the education of the next generation. And I will say, I will be so bold as to say that I think this is an area in which conservatives have neglected for far too long. Progressives went into education in America over the last 30 to 40 years and radically changed the view of America because of what they taught young people. Conservatives need to start going into education in mass because the stories we tell our children about our nation determines our nation's future in part. And the example, uh, Your Honor, let me bring up uh, uh, Exhibit A. The weaponization and the mischaracterization that everything is calling colonizing to me sitting here the shores of lake union uh, is not colonizing israel surrounding gaza is not colonizing um colonialism was a bad scene that's why we rose up and blew them off the continent into canada um we disagree with uh, the founding fathers that you deride and and loathe uh, are the one were the ultimate decolonizers because we are the ultimate gold medal for decolonization 
I mean, this was the dumbest move that one of the world's great empires ever made. Not fighting for this and not not giving this colony a little bit of freedom, a little bit of representation, and all would have been done. I mean, literally all would have been done. And we, we are the gold standard for decolonization. So shut up and go back to Evergreen. <laughs> it is, that might end the... Uh, the pleasant family dinner on Sunday night. If you want our society to value limited government, constitutional rights, free markets, personal responsibility, equal opportunity, e pluribus unum, Pax Americana, teach your children well. Uh, from the 425. Whatever. Does, How dare you? <laughs> does, uh, from the 425, does Mr. Suits have a recommendation on a book with the history of early 1930s famine in Ukraine? The Holodomor. Uh, yeah, the, the, the book Holodomor. Because that's a Ukrainian uh, term for it, uh, uh, is is probably the best one. Uh, Christian Bale made a movie because uh, uh, because it was officially Time Magazine and New York Times uh, said, well, that can't be happening because uh, Russia's perfect. And when the news got out that well, Stalin is feeding the rest of Russia with Ukraine's grain and letting the Ukrainians, uh, uh, as he tries to take the the peasants' land. Uh, He's taking their grain and, you know, millions of Ukrainians died in the 30s. And then Stalin officially den denied it happened, the whole thing. And, I mean, it, if you want a grudge uh, against the Russians and, and your grandma is telling you that uh, they came and took all your wheat and didn't leave anything behind, not even a cliff bar, um, that would be one of them. But, yeah, the Ukrainians very much have a, a – a, and that's why – one of un, Hitler was really stupid about a lot of things, but if he could be objective, not rolling into Ukraine with uniforms and guns and throwing them out at, at the men uh, was one of the dumbest things that the Nazis did because they were waiting to get armed up and fight fight the Russians, fight Stalin, and they would have. Uh, Stalin was more afraid of the Ukrainians rising up than the Germans were aware that the Ukrainians wanted to rise up. Um, and that you know, it could have been every bit the crusade that Hitler fantasized that it was, but they were that stupid. When they were told, they were told by prisoners, no, I'm not Russian, I'm a Ukrainian, give me your gun. And they were like, well, oh, we're not buying that, you people are stupid. Because they were a prisoner of their own Nazi propaganda that everybody east of Poland was a caveman, okay? And, um, and that they would be uh, pleasant slaves to stick around the new newly owned German uh, farms. But anyway, uh, yeah, Holodomor, H-O-L-O-D-O-M-O-R, Holodomor, four, four O's. On a lighter note from the 509 B&G. Lighter than famine? <laughs> lighter than the 6 a.m.? Lighter than eating human kidneys? Here's a pivot. Uh, <laughs> Brian, we're taking a family trip to Lincoln City in May. Are there any must-sees on the way? We're going to eat at Spooky's Pizza in the Dalles. See uh, Multnomah Falls, Lewis and Clark Center, and Astoria, as well as the Jetty Observation Tower at the mouth of the Columbia. Um, in at Spanish Head, if you're going to Lincoln City. There you go. Uh, the the inn on the cliff, it's phenomenal. Um, and so, so you're going to Astoria, are you? Yeah, you cannot miss the Lewis and Clark Fort Clatsop, the recreation of Fort Clatsop. And make sure you go to that school where they filmed Kindergarten Cop. That's a must-do. Yeah. <laughs> um, and uh, fun fact, you know how they oriented Fort When they rebuilt Fort Clatsop, you know how they found out exactly w where it was? Because they found out where to plant. There was a there was a, an outhouse in the corner of the fort, right? Like 38 men using one outhouse. 
and they when they found that they knew how to orient the fort where to where to put the northeast corner was at that outhouse or privy as they called it they found it because they took soil samples and when they took the soil samples they weren't looking for number one or two they were looking for mercury because every man on the Corps of Discovery was being given mercury for venereal disease, except the two, except Captains Lewis and Clark. They were administering mercury to every man, which doesn't do a thing for your VD, but it does leave behind a trace in the uh, toilet. So that's a fun fact. You you tell the park ranger that, and he'll uh, let you wear his hat. Back in a second, AM Sunday, KTTH. The blast blasted blubber beyond all believable bounds. What am I quoting? Something with a lot of alliteration. Uh, the famous, the world famous, now the world mockery of Oregon, the exploding whale. How could I forget? And, and you've seen that video, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. The, the best. Can you eat parts of a whale raw? Probably. It's called that part over there Eskimo on top of the, culture. The hood of that car. Blubber. Um, and, uh, the, yeah, the, the one in the convertible Coupe de Ville. Um, so you must know that uh, in Oregon you can drive on the beach, and that's why the law enforcement the agency responsible for the Oregon beach is the Oregon State Police. So when a whale washes ashore uh, in Oregon, that's why you call the Department of Transportation because it's a highway. Hence, that's why that chap in the hard hat, in the metal old-school hard hat, uh, brought the dynamite to blow up the whale 1970, and a mistake never to be made again, because the new policy is just let the thing rot like God intended. And boom goes the dynamite. So that's the thing, uh, because I got vetoed, and I'm wondering if I should override the uh, parental veto uh, on, on this one, because I said, okay, there's a fin whale that's washed ashore uh, south of Astoria, right? And I thought, well, that'd be fun if they tried to blow it up, because that's, that's so retro. But they're not. And so the headline in today's Seattle Times, a fin whale decomposing on an Oregon beach creates a sad but super educational spectacle. <laughs> and sometimes that's the best education for a kid is that, you know, stuff dies. And I mean, this would be huge. Um, but what's been going on, the, the pattern that's going on here, is because in late December of uh, 2023, so two months ago, another fin whale washed ashore in San Diego. And what the the whale in Astoria, and the kind of thing I want to see is I don't want to I know what it's going to smell like, um, but it'll be windy. But the one down in San Diego and the one there at Astoria, um, both have marks of interactions with a certain pod of killer whales, which uh, the fin whale is bouncing back ecolo ecologically. It's like apparently second only to the blue whale in size. It's huge, and evidently it was. 
in its heyday, the, the favorite snack of the marauding orca. And we know this because of so-called rake marks. Rake marks are what happens when you bite the fin, but you don't bite hard enough and the whale gets his fin out of your little orca mouth. And so they look like zigzag graffiti. So both whales have this because what the orcas would do is chomp onto your fin because, after all, you're, you are a fin whale, and then let out their own breath and then suddenly weigh you down and drown you. And they're amazingly complex hunters. So that would so anyway, San Diego to coast of Oregon, it's like a seven day paddle if you're an orca or whatever. But uh, anyway, we're so I said, hey, if if you want to do something this weekend, we can just we can pop down there early in the morning, smell the whale, and come it's home. a formidable scent. I know. It stings the nostrils. At, at least you can say because we all have a three day weekend. Us too, right? Am I, did I read that right? Oh, we do. Yeah. Yeah, and so. At least on Tuesday, you can say, well, oh, that smell, that's that uh, rotting whale that we uh, played with uh, in Astoria uh, or something. But but so the, the answer, believe it or not, the answer from the 14-year-old was, no, I'll hold down the fort if you want to. And so I should overrule that veto and say, okay, this is parental prerogative. We're going to go see the rotting whale. Ooh, yeah. And I want, want, want another folksy anecdote. So there's one time on 101 that was a landslide and it was closed between like Tillamook and name, you know, local name here. And But I knew a way that you could, but our favorite dog beach is this place called Falcon Cove. that has a waterfall, the north end and south end. It's like a perfect crescent. Great, great dog beach. But there's camping and there's people that really don't care for your dogs uh, there. And they don't, they didn't bring dogs. It's the greatest dog beach. So there was no one ever there. So I, I it went went like that for a year. Um, and so I took the dogs there one weekend. Beautiful day, sunny, epic pictures, the whole thing. They run half a mile ahead of me, and there's something up on the beach, way ahead. And there's there's sea lions out in the in Falcon Cove, and they're going barp 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 and the whole thing. Dogs come back to me, and all their hair is matted down. And I figure, oh, they went in the ocean, not a problem because there's fresh water. You know, they can drink. They're, you know, they, they're playing. As they get closer, the smell precedes them. They've been rolling in a dead sea lion. Yeah, the the thing up ahead, uh, the thing up ahead, the lump up ahead, as they get closer, is a really, really stinky sea lion. And it lost its battle with nature. Um, and they release Bron Bronco. Will he will find you and he'll bite you. He will find you and he will bite and you. And he will roll in you. And so it was just nasty. I mean, I had all day. I didn't have any, like, dog shampoo, but... but uh, yeah, so anyway, I don't know why that folksy anecdote jumped out at me, but I just said, if I'm going there to find out what it smells like, I think I already know. It's one of those things where, you know, smells stick with you like a sound. that You can hear it when you're eight, and then years later you hear it again, like like the old piston-powered, uh, uh, you know, unlimited hydros. Uh, anyway. For the children. Yeah, so I'm, I'm not going to – should I – did I close out? Here at the end of the week, did I close out folksy anecdote about middle name Eugene? Impressed. I did not. Maybe that that one will hold. So again, uh, if you're if you're related to uh, Ellsworth Arthur Teed, uh, he was uh, killed in 1934, 
and uh, they're they're now attributing the the Petlands um, in of Idaho because it's now family lore, and a bunch of them had a middle name of Eugene, like my dad and his dad did, and uh, the whole thing. I'm fresh out of anecdote when I'm when I'm trailing off like Biden. I'm fresh out of anecdote. Anyway, so there's a, there's that. Uh, well, should I play the morning montage one time? Uh, because I'm trying to think if there's anything I didn't close out. It's not not a not a funny one today. I made it available to all our listeners via the podcast or in the KTV. He will chat. find you and he will bite you. The, the morning montage? Is I that, did. Oh, and, and by the way, I did a uh, a tenth break. We reposted uh, tenth break. This one with the breaking news about Navalny being killed today. I think you're going to hear a lot of sort of bad direction from people today. So anyway, if you want to, if you want to clear that up, go to uh, Suits at 800-465-8770 and you'll get the podcast back at you uh, or app and you can download the podcast as a, as a and you can, you can, for instance, play this for your friends. On this vote, the yeas are 214 and the nays are 213. I talk to President Biden, you know, regularly. His mental acuity is great. Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. And so anyway, there's more. There's more about Putin's kleptocracy. Yeah. Um, and, and stuff. And we'll be back here on Tuesday morning. But tune in on Monday morning as you're lying in bed like me. And you'll hear all about stuff and junk or just stuff. There could be some junk mixed Stuff in. and junk, I promise, on Monday morning. So uh, tune in. Dan Boncino is up next. Have a good weekend. Have a good uh, three-day weekend if you do. I know someone with a four-day weekend. I'm pretty PO'd. But uh, anyway, uh, drive safe, smell the whale, and how dare you. We'll be back on Tuesday here, uh, AM 770 KTTH. <laughs> How's he keep up with the news like that? You're good. I know. Is it going to sound weird? But for a second, I think you took on the shape of a unicorn. I felt like I was hovering above my own body. Goodbye. Goodbye.